welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. What would you consider the most effective way to transform your marriage? In this week's episode, Francis and Lisa Chan share honestly about their experiences and help unravel the secret to both a fulfilling marriage and joyful parenting by pointing us to the only place that matters, the heart of Christ. A couple weeks ago, we just celebrated our 25-year anniversary. And it was so good. Um, We're in Lake Tahoe, California, just for a couple of days and just praying and thinking about everything God's done in our lives over these 25 years. Um, Just in our prayer times, we just kept thanking God because we feel like we're the most blessed people on the earth. Um, We love our children very much. We love each other very much. Um, And uh, I'm gonna let her speak quite a bit because my throat's going anyways, and she's a better speaker than I am. And, uh, (laughs) but I I did wanna share a couple of thoughts. where my notes went. Oh yeah, about a. You know, I'm, I'm excited that I that there are a lot of singles in the room. You know, we're going to be talking about marriage and parenting, but so often I feel like we're helping people after they've already made so many mistakes, and so it's nice to be with some singles, um, also who you're you're going into this world and you're 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 thinking about it, you're contemplating, you're pursuing marriage and. Um, and maybe to avoid some of the mistakes, because we, we got such bad advice um, when we first got married. And I feel like so many people told us, oh, it's gonna be so difficult, you know, the first month, and then the first year is gonna be really tough, and then, oh yeah, there's this thing called the seven-year itch that's horrible, and then there's, a, once you have a baby, that's gonna be a tough year, and, and oh, the two-year-old stage is the worst. If you have a two-year-old, is all of these things people told us, and so we went into marriage almost afraid of some of these things and expecting, and every year we'd be like, gosh, when is it gonna get bad? Because this is pretty good, you know? And it just kept getting better and better and with every child and two-year-old, like terrible, two, that's like our favorite age, you know? And, and, and with every child, it just seems like the Lord has blessed us more and more and more. And I'm not saying that there won't be difficulties in your marriage, but something that we've learned is that it really starts with what I was talking about this morning about knowing the Lord and like I was sharing like when you're alone with him you know like like Psalm 23 says he says the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want like when I'm alone with God I am so full like I'm like God, life can't get any better. I am in the presence of you. And like the psalmist says, um, he says, my cup is overflowing. So that's the way I feel when I'm alone with God. It's like I'm so full. Picture a, a cup up here, and it's, and it's overflowing and just splashing over. Like that's the way I feel when I'm with the Lord every morning. So when I get out of my prayer time, I am spilling over. 
And so when I see my children, that love is spilling over onto them. When I see my wife, that love is spilling over because I'm not, too many people walk around like an empty cup. And, and they're, they're like wanting something from you. They're unfulfilled, they're unfilled. And, 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 and some of you, maybe you're, you're single and you're, you're unfulfilled, your life doesn't feel full, and so you think that, okay, but once I find the right person, then it's gonna be great. And it's like, no, no, Lisa will never be able, as amazing as she has been, she'll never be able to fill me the way God intends to, the way God created me to be filled. That comes only from the Lord. And we see so many people fighting in their marriages, and it's because they're empty people. It's, it's, it's almost like, a, it's, it's almost like a, years ago I went scuba diving. How many have gone scuba diving? Has anyone gone scuba diving here? Okay, six of you. Okay, but uh, it's not a big thing. I, I figure with the ocean you might do it. Okay, but um, it's, it's kind of terrifying. It's kind of cool though. But you know, you have this mask and I remember going way down and thinking, oh man, if this thing fails, I will die, right? Like I can't get back up in time. So we're going down this thing called this um, blue hole where we're down like 75, 100 feet down. And, and they told me, they go, when you get to about 65 feet down, it'll feel like you're on drugs, like your mind because of the nitrogen or something like this. So I'm a little scared, you know? And so I get down to that part and I'm like, I just began to panic because I thought, if this mask does not work, this is all of my oxygen. And I began to panic a little bit and I told my, my friend who was the instructor, I'm like, get me up, get me up, because I got scared. And he was like, he's like, up, you know, because you can't talk, you know, because you're in the water, you know. And, uh, and, um, and I was like, then I was like, wait, 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 wait. And I just relaxed and I thought, no, you know what, Lord? Even when I'm above water, I'm dependent on you to breathe every second. So it doesn't matter that I'm 100 feet underwater right now, I'm okay. And I told the instructor, let's keep going down. You know, let's, let's go down. And, but I, I, I think about that oxygen tank and how much, how dependent I am on it. And it's almost like in some marriages, people don't have their own tank. And so if there was just one tank between us, we would have to like keep sharing it back and forth, back and forth. Oh, I need air. No, I need air. I need it more than you. I need it more than you. And that's what I see in so many marriages. But if you both have your own tank, if you're both filled from the Lord and you have your own air supply, your life supply, then you just swim together. You live life together. Like I'm not a needy person that needs so much from Lisa 
And in the same way, she's not this needy woman that just depends on me for all of her security and, and everything else. It's like, we're good before the Lord. We love the Lord. And so same with our kids. You know, sometimes I see parents that almost want to try to live through their children and they almost have children for themselves because they need a friend or they need whatever. And, and again, it's almost like sucking all the life out of your children because you yourself need something from them because you're unfulfilled. And so I guess one of the most important things that I could say about this and the 25 years, this has been amazing. Um, I'm not exaggerating. Until meeting Peter and Diana, I really thought there's no family like ours in the world. We've got, you know, then I meet them, I'm like, oh wow, this is weird. They're actually really cool, you know, and their whole family and everything. So it's a very special thing I think the Lord is doing here with that model and with that example we feel very much the same way where our children are involved with us in ministry and so full of life and there's so much joy. In fact, uh, you didn't hear this, but uh, one of the sons, I, I get them mixed up because they have a lot of kids too, um, was talking about how they were just in Lake Tahoe a few, uh, a couple, a few weeks ago and um, they took all of the kids and he was asking me, you know, how do you help your kids with electronics? And I said, well, we took that vacation to Tahoe and we told our kids, because we don't want them addicted to, you know, so many kids are just on their iPads and phones all day. And we told our kids, nothing electronic for the whole vacation, okay? So I don't want to see a cell phone, I don't want to see an iPad, I don't want to see a laptop, nothing. We're just gonna hang out and talk like human beings. We're gonna laugh and play in the snow. We're gonna do this and this is, and you know, so for like four days, just nothing. And we had the best time. And I found out they did the same thing with their kids. I mean, all these things that I go, no one does this, you know. And the Tanchis do, they beat us in everything. So it's, it's just, it, it, but, but I, I, I just, this, this love, this family, I, I just, I want, I, I want this to not be a rarity. You know, like this should be the norm of Christian families, and it's not. But I think it starts with this joy in the Lord and being a spirit-filled husband and wife. Because there's only one spirit. So like I've said, there has never been a spirit-filled couple that has gotten divorced. In all of history, there has never been a spirit-filled couple that has gotten a divorce. Every divorce is because one or maybe both of the partners are not spirit-filled and are not living the spirit-filled life. Why? Because there's only one spirit. And so if I am seeking that one spirit and Lisa is seeking that one spirit, guess what? We're going to come to the same conclusions. It's those times when one of us is acting in the flesh and just thinking about ourselves rather than what he wants that everything falls apart. One last thought and then I'm going to have her share is uh, 
so I'm 51, and last year I had a 50th birthday party, but I told my wife, I hate parties. Like, I don't want any parties for me, you know? Um, but for my 50th, I go, here's what I want to do. I would like to gather people together to pray, and, and as my birthday present, can we just ask people to fast that day for me, you know? And, and just pray for me all day. And I say, pray that this next season of my life, I'll grow so close to Jesus. And pray that during this next phase of my life, I would really hear from him and where he's directing me in ministry. Like this would be the greatest present to me. This would be the greatest party is if people could just come and lay hands on me and pray for me. So that's what we did for our 50th, uh, for my 50th. She's not 50 yet, obviously. She's, she's still only 25. And, uh, but uh, as they prayed for me and everything else, it was a wonderful time just having my children lay hands on me and pray for me and my friends there praying for the power of the Spirit in my life for the next season of life. But one of my friends afterwards, he's about 35 years old, he told me, he goes, you know, your 50th birthday was so powerful. He goes, I decided at your 50th birthday that that's what I want to be when I'm 50. He goes, I want to be you when I'm 50 years old. That's my goal. And I said to him, I go, man, I'm flattered. That's, that's, that's you know, I'm honored by that. I go, here's the problem. You're not making the same decisions I made when I was 35. So you're not gonna be like me when you're 50. The choices you make now, you can't just say, oh, when I'm 49, then I'll be like Francis was when he's 50 and I'll put, no, you have to make the decisions now. You make the choices now. You don't just become this, you know, 50-year-old with this great family and everyone's loving the Lord because you just, you, you, you flipped a switch at 49. No, it's, it's a lifetime of decisions. And so some of you that are earlier on in marriage were hoping that you would make some of those decisions that, that people never told us about. And people didn't, that's why we wrote our book, You and Me Forever, because I thought no one talks about this stuff. They're not thinking about eternity. They're not thinking about how, how if you read the Bible, if you just read everything that Jesus said about family, I think you'd be shocked. I mean, do it sometime. Go through the New Testament and write down, just go through the Gospels and write down every time Jesus mentions family. I think you'll be surprised what he says. Compare that to what you'll find in the normal Christian bookstore about marriage. Because Jesus wasn't all about, oh, you know, family first, safety first, take care of this. this. No, he's, his words were more, if anyone loves their wife or kids more than they love me, they're not worthy to be my disciple. Unless you're willing to hate, unless you hate your father, mother, wife, you're not worry, worthy to be my disciple. He was explained, look, in heaven, there's no marriage. 
This is a brief thing here. So marriage is sacred. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's created by God. But he also explains it needs to take its rightful place. That as much as I love my wife, as much as I love my kids, my walk with the Lord is far above that. And that's what makes the marriage wonderful. It's the byproduct of knowing him. Amen. Amen. Share a little bit. Wow. Sit down. That was, good. that was a good word. Thank you. Um, it's interesting because we hadn't really talked about today, and um, that was what was on my heart was how much you have to think about what you want to be because things don't just happen. Um, yeah, basically what you just said. <laughs> oh, is that what you were going to share? I really was. Oh, okay. Do you have so anything you else stole to share? It. <laughs> I told you you could go first. <laughs> but he's the leader, and I said, I think you should go first you, you, so that you will show them that you are the leader and yeah. I'm the follower. Um, yeah, we have done a lot of counseling in our years of ministry, and, and I think the Lord has revealed to us over time that, you know, a person or a couple will walk in the door and they will share with you what's going on, what their issue is. And it's so easy to look and listen at what they are saying to you about this other person or about their problem. And I feel like God has just done this beautiful thing of I don't care who it is and what the circumstance is. The one thing I want to start with is what's going on between you and Christ. It's everything that Francis was sharing this morning. Like, I need to know first, where is your love for God? What is your time like in the Word? Are you listening to the voice of His Spirit speaking to you? Are you responding in obedience? Is there a relationship that is very true and real and intimate? Because 10 times out of 10, when they are walking in with bitterness, rage, anger, just so many issues, and I say, where are you at with Christ? And they're like, well, you know, I, I give them a, give me a number between one and 10. Where would you say your relationship is at? And it's always on the bottom end of the scale. Always. Because we think that our issues are the issue when really it's what's going on between you and God. And I, I just really believe that God wants you to get that somehow to realize that when things are off, that's why even when he was speaking and he was saying, you know, he's gotta be filled up or else I'm gonna be, when I'm needy, which you guys, it's not like I am always perfectly filled up. My cup is not always full. So what I do in that moment is not, I mean, for a, maybe for a little second, I'm looking at, you know, what he's not doing. You guys, he's not as perfect as you think he is. <laughs> Close. He's awesome, okay, but he's not perfect. So it would be easy for me in that, those moments to run through my list of what he's not doing or why he's not meeting my needs. But 
again, because of what the Lord has revealed to us, and the more you read the word, you can't escape it. I feel like the Lord is saying, look at your own heart, Lisa. What's going on here? And I choose to take it to heart and say, okay, first I've got to go be with the Lord and make things right. I need the Lord to get my heart in the right place because then I will know how to respond to my husband and to pray for my husband and maybe to go and apologize to my husband or to be able to genuinely share my concern or my hurt and say, hey, when this happened, you know, there's some communication and honesty, but my heart is in a better place because I've taken it to the Lord first. And so... I'm just really, really feeling like God wants us to remember that all of our issues start spiritually. So when you are lacking, when you are struggling, when you find yourself overwhelmed, first go to the Lord. Don't run to the counselor, to the friend, to anyone else. But just remember just how much. I, I tell this illustration sometimes that I heard from a woman years ago about this banquet table that the Lord sets out. If you were invited to an awesome banquet with every Filipino amazing delicacy that you guys like lumpia, right? Uh, or what's the little balut? candy? Balut, yes. <laughs> Francis actually ate balut. Um, but everything is on this banquet table. And you're invited to come in and eat. And this is, we're talking about God. If God says, I have a banquet table for you. So this whole table is filled with forgiveness, grace, love, um, wisdom, kindness, mercy. And the Lord says, you can come and take as much as you need, as often as you need, and yet... We will choose to walk around like, well, I just don't have time to sit down, you know? So we wonder why we're so hungry and empty and spiritually unfulfilled. And she even gave this picture of someone crawling around under the table, picking up crumbs from other people who are sitting at the table. You're thinking, wow, look at Pastor Peter. He's sitting at that table. He's just, just filling himself with all that good food. And you sit under the table taking a couple crumbs when God is like, no, you sit at the table. This is for you, my son, my daughter. It's all for you. You can have it. That is literally what the, the death of Christ did for us was give us access to all the goodness and the promises that God provides for us. That's why as children of God, we can live our lives in a totally different way than the world. It's the people of the world that should feel all that emptiness. So why are we not going and sitting and partaking of the banquet that God has given to us and promised to us and longs to give us? It's ludicrous, right? And we need to see it that way. Like, man, that is ridiculous. I have access to the most amazing feast Every day, every hour. I love that song that says, you know, Lord, I need you. I need you. Every minute, every hour, I need you. So please remember that you have an invitation from God and go and get what you need. 
I've heard so many stories of you that have really lacked in your relationship with your mom or your dad. But you know what? It's the enemy that wants to just keep telling you that you haven't been given what you need and that you are still lacking. And that is not true. You are not lacking a single thing because you are a child of God. And you have got to believe what his word says over any other person and especially the voice of the enemy who wants to kill and steal and destroy. That is all he is about. Do not let him steal what God wants to do in your life. Man, I just want to see victory in those of us who call ourselves Christians because it's not okay for us to keep living these defeated lives. It doesn't make any sense for us to live in defeat. We were just gathered with a bunch of our women leaders back home and this young woman shared this beautiful connection when she was talking about the Israelites just before they were gonna go into the promised land. And you guys know the story. The spies are sent over to look at the land, right? And what are they afraid of? The giants. There's giants in the land. You know what, the land is amazing, it's so awesome, but there's giants, so we can't do it. There was only two who was like, you guys, it's amazing. Who cares about the giants? We have God. He's going to give us the victory. Do you remember why it's called the promised land? Because he promised it to us. Mm. It's a promise. So why are you worried about the giants? Why are you even talking about them? We have God. He's already told us that we will have victory. And this girl says, you know, we're talking about, well, we need to break the chains of this bondage, these things in our lives, these lies, these things from our past, addictions, sin, whatever it is. She's like, we're just like those Israelites. We're standing there looking at what we need to overcome, what we need to try to forgive or forget, stop doing, start doing. And she says, we're praying and asking God to break those chains when he has already broken them, you are already free. You need to walk into the promised land. There's nothing holding you back. You are not shackled anymore. So it is unbelief. It is unbelief that is keeping you from going into the promised land. It's on you. It is not on him because he has already set you free. Isn't that the most amazing news? Mm. There's the promised land and you are already free. Don't be like those Israelites. Oh, we are just such sinful people. We're so in need of being reminded of the truth. I hope that the spirit in you is going, oh my gosh, that's right. Why am I so filled with unbelief? We should be crying out for bigger and stronger and truer faith. I've been asking for it all the time now, and God is answering. 
He's a good father. He wants to give good gifts to his children. So when we pray for these things, we can know that he will respond and answer and listen. Ask him for faith to believe the work he has already done to set you free, to believe that the promised land is yours and you can walk in victory and freedom. You know, it's, it's interesting. I'm thinking as I'm listening to my wife speak that and people said this about our book too. They go, it's not really a marriage book in a lot of ways. It's, it's, it seems like it's more about your relationship with God. And I go, yeah, that's exactly it. Because most of your marriage problems are not marriage issues. They're God issues. It's because you lack in your relationship with God that you're driving your spouse crazy. It's because you don't really understand the forgiveness in Christ that you can't forgive your spouse. It's that, that these are the things, that's, that's the issue. And at the same time, when you are filled with him, then this is easy. It really is. When you are fulfilled in Christ and you are full, it's, it's like you, ever, you know, when you go to a buffet and you know, everything she was saying, you've just eaten so much, you're not gonna fight over that last piece of cake. You're just like, you eat it. No, you eat it. I had too much. That's the way we feel in our walk with the Lord. Like, I don't need anything from you. You don't need anything from me. Then just, let's just go. Our cups are both overflowing, and so we've been able to bless other people in our lives. I think that's part of the sadness, too, is we've seen so many of our friends that because they're not filled up in Christ, then they start having marriage issues, and then they're no testimony to the rest of the world. Um, they, they don't have the life to help other people. And I hear so many people say, well, we can't serve in the church right now because we're having so many problems between us. We need counseling first, and we hear this all of the time. And that's the way Satan is uh, destroying the ministry in so many ways, is by affecting our marriages. Um, I did want to say something um, as Lisa was talking. It's very easy to just start talking about relationships and, um, and neglect that there's bigger issues in this room. Um, Like I said this morning, I'm sure that there are some of you in this room that are in immoral relationships. Some of you right now, even as you sit in this room where we're worshiping God Almighty, you're sleeping with someone that you're not married to. And I know in the world that's not a big deal and I know that there's a lot of that going on in the Philippines. And in fact, some of that is the reputation, um, is that there's just a lot of sleeping around. And there's a lot of people who don't get married, a lot of singles that just figure, you know what, I'll just have you know, kids with different guys or whatever else, and, and weddings are so expensive, we can't even save up to have that, so let's just sleep around and do this or that. And, I just want to remind you what God says about that. Like, pe people always tell me, well, you know, a sin is a sin. I'm like, ah, uh, not really. Um, 
Because when God speaks about immorality, he speaks about it differently. He says, uh, gosh, now I can't find it. Is it 1 Corinthians 6? Um, oh, yeah. 1 Corinthians 6, he says, Food is meant for the stomach and stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Thanks for joining us on the Crazy Love Podcast. Be sure to listen next week for the second half of today's discussion. And of course, if you'd like to pick up a copy of Francis and Lisa's book, You and Me Forever, Marriage in Light of Eternity, you can find it along with all of our resources at crazylove.org. Thanks again for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast.